What's up, Gaucho fans? It's a new year. It's 2021. I am your host of the Gaucho 9 podcast, Kevin Cannon, and the pod is back. And with the same great sponsor, Kyle's Kitchen, check out their great locations in Goleta and Hollister Village, downtown Santa Barbara off of Chapala Street, and their new location in Isla Vista. Kyle's Kitchen, great burgers and salads. Uh, we can't thank them enough for all of the help and support and great food that they have provided the Gauchos uh, over the past handful of years. And we anticipate more uh, of a great relationship uh, moving forward, especially in this what should be a, a challenging 2021 season, which we anticipate will happen here uh, in Santa Barbara with the Gauchos. And Kyle's Kitchen will be there by our sides the entire way, providing great meals pregame for the boys in blue and gold. Okay, the Gaucho Nine podcast is back. Uh, first episode of the new year. We want to thank everyone who is involved in the, the summer, in the fall. 33 episodes. It's been a, a blast to, to take on this uh, new endeavor for myself uh, and for the program. I think it's, it's a great tool to use to reach out to to former players, to people that were involved with the program. And and today is, is, is no exception. Uh, our guest today, Matt Arnold, he's the new vice president and general manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. He was a, a gaucho student back in the, in the late 90s. He graduated in 2001. He studied economics and was part of the uh, sport management minor program there at the rec center. Uh, didn't play, but he was a, a, a sports junkie. And he has worked his way all the way to one of the top positions in Major League Baseball. So he's our guest today. But I want to cover a few things to get everyone caught up on what's been going on and, and share some, uh, some tidbits and some stats and some numbers and, and events that have, that have transpired over the last couple months since we last talked to you. First and foremost, uh, rest in peace to Tommy Lasorda, who passed away uh, a couple weeks ago at the age of 93. I was I had a small interaction with Tommy a couple years ago at a Cal State Northridge uh, UC Santa Barbara game in Northridge. Uh, just a just a really great baseball character through and through. So Tommy Lasorda uh, will be missed, especially here in Southern California, with all of his time with the Dodgers. And also rest in peace to Hank Aaron, Hammer and Hank. He's one of my all-time favorites. I have uh, a baseball card of his from 1956 it's in a plastic case it's one of my 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 favorites i've got like 10 really old baseball cards that i traded for a pair of bikes a long time ago uh and hank aaron was one of those and i had to have it because he's one of the greatest of all time perhaps the greatest complete hitter of all time just look at his statistics second all time in home runs with 755 of course but a lot of people don't realize that he's third all-time in hits, 3,771. He's behind Pete Rose and Ty Cobb, who, of course, got 4,000. But he's third all-time in hits, 305 career batting average. He he just he did it all. He stole over 200 bases. He has the most RBIs, runs batted in. He has the most all-time. He's just He was consistent from the start of his career to the end. Um, and he is one of the absolute greatest, an absolute gentleman, a, an ambassador for the game, and he will be sorely missed as well. Uh, Greg Malley, who was a guest back in late summer on the Gaucho 9 podcast and, of course, uh, pitched for Coach Jackets and the Gauchos in that 2013 regional in Corvallis. Greg wound up playing this winter in Mexico. He pitched for the Aguilas de Mexicali of the Mexican Pacific League, which is the winter uh, professional league down there in Mexico. He led the Aguilas with 28 appearances. He recorded five saves and six holds. Uh, he posted a 3.34 ERA, 34 strikeouts in 29 and two-thirds innings. The Aguilas came in fifth place. They made the playoffs, uh, but were eliminated in the first round. Uh, unfortunately, but a, a great season for Greg. He had a lot of doubt as to whether or not he would get to play baseball in 2020. And fortunately, uh, they were able to get things done down in Mexico in the Winter League. So congrats to Greg on a, on a great season. He's still doing it uh, down there. So let's see. Gauchos, they expect to turn to 
limited practice this week. This is the week of January 25th. It's been challenging, to say the least, to get back on the field, but we are confident that we will be back on the field very soon. And, and the weather, of course, lots of rain expected this week. So we're, we're hoping to get uh, things going and get prepared for the season, which we anticipate will happen. Uh, the schedule is not finalized, but the administrations and the head coaches within the Big West are working on a schedule and protocols that would allow for the maximum number of games to be be played. Um, social media will update you as we get closer to the start of the season, and when we have things officially released, we will cover those on social media, Instagram and Twitter, uh, the UCSB Gauchos website, and we'll, of course, cover that uh, on the podcast when we have confirmation. Um, this still some things to, to iron out, but we're confident that we're going to be playing baseball this year. So what are some reasons to get excited about 2020? Well, first of all, Gouches have shown very well in the preseason polls. Uh, the coaches and writers and people who are up in the brass of college baseball recognized how good the Gauchos were last year. They finished the year 13-2. and two. They finished the, the season before it was cut short. They had swept Oregon State on the road. They had beat a number one ranked UCLA team at home in a midweek. And the Gauchos led the country, tied nation's lead, 1.84 team ERA with the reigning champion Vanderbilt Commodores. So the preseason polls, Gauchos ranked as high as eight in collegiate baseball newspaper. They're up at in the top 10 at number eight. Uh, they're at number 10 in the perfect game preseason poll, number 11 in D1Baseball.com, and number 17 in College Baseball Nation. So when you get praise in multiple, because there are lots of polls, let's be real here, there are lots of polls. And when you get praise in many of them, it really means that, all right, these guys are going to be legit. And we anticipate the Gauchos are going to be good. I mean, they're returning their entire starting rotation from last year, which led that staff that was tied for the nation's lead in ERA. Again, 1.84 uh, with, with Vanderbilt. And Gouchers will have Rodney Boone, Zach Tora, Michael McGreevy all back. Uh, they're all going to be, you know, one year better, as, as they say in college baseball. I mean, experience goes a long way, and uh, everybody is back. And the Gouchers are going to be deep on the mound. So, some preseason accolades, just to mention, Rodney Boone, preseason second-team All-American by Perfect Game. Zach Tora was named a second-team preseason All-American by Collegiate Baseball Newspaper. And then just recently, McGreevy, a third-team All-American by D1Baseball.com. So, lots of accolades for the Gauchos to start things off high up in the polls, Lots of anticipation going into this year. We will get you the schedule as soon as we can, and we are excited about what is to come uh, in February. We are confident that 2021 is going to trounce 2020. So that's your update. Now let's get to our interview with Matt Arnold of the Milwaukee Brewers. Just a really great guy, uh, a California kid. Now I'm um, moving his way up in the baseball world and uh, really putting together a strong, strong team in Milwaukee. Okay, here is our interview with Matt Arnold. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America, the Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one-strike pitch, and Mitchell bounces the deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. He strikes out the side for the second consecutive inning. And Amani belts it to deep center. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? Here's the 0-2 pitch. And a curveball is swung on him. And the score is two. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. And the Gauchos are the 2019 All right, today on the Gaucho 9 podcast, welcome you into 2021 it's already been a couple interesting weeks some a lot of stuff has transpired since we last talked to you uh back in early december but uh we have a really special guest 
today. I, I There's already been a long and distinguished list of gauchos that have been on this podcast, uh, the first 33 episodes, this being episode 34. And this next guest um, is high on that list. He's a UCSB graduate, 2001. He majored in economics with a minor in sport management. He was not a player, but he was a baseball guy through and through, and he currently is the senior vice president and general manager of the Milwaukee Brewers as of November 19th, 2020. So please welcome to the Gaucho 9 podcast, Matt Arnold. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here. You're at Miller Park in Milwaukee, and it's just totally cool to have you on the podcast. So Matt, welcome. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Kevin. I appreciate it. Okay, so how how's Wisconsin uh, treating you in, in January? Are you getting um, are there? Are lots of Packer fans around. Or are you guys you guys like the snow up there in Milwaukee? I do. Um, you know, my my wife probably doesn't as much as I do, but but I I think it's great. I think the kids like it. It's fun to go out and play. We were actually talking about making a giant snowman this week. There was a there was a family down the down the street that had a pretty big snowman. I was like, I think we might be able to get a little a little bigger one. Uh, here on the block, but um, you know, keeps them busy. Keeps you know, they're at a fun age. They're twelve and nine, so it's it's a fun group, um, fun age group to, for them. And and they're doing all kinds of sports around here. And uh, this is such a, a sports uh, centric community, honestly. Like the Brewers um, draw three million people a year, you know, here to this ballpark. And um, you know, the Packers are, you know, you you could rob a bank around here on a Sunday just because everyone's watching a watching the Packers and and you know on, on Saturdays it's it's Wisconsin football so uh I love it I mean just being a, a sports uh junkie growing up my whole life I've, you know I've loved sports and so it's a great community for for sports and yeah there's always always something going on here in Wisconsin yeah and don't forget about the uh the Bucks who have the reigning NBA MVP Giannis. that's right they are uh, they are incredible to watch. I, if you ever get a chance to to catch one of those games, they're a ton of fun. And Giannis is so special uh, to watch. And and you know him and uh, Christian Yelich, I think, have a lot in common in terms of what they've been able to do to their sport, uh, both on the on the field, on the court, and and off. Um, you know, just really special people. It's great. It sounds like Giannis is going to stick around here for for a while. Um, and and obviously we have Christian locked up for a long time too. And so. Uh, great to have the Bucks here in this community as well. I, I got to ask: so Have you been to a Packer game? Not yet. Um, you know, had a couple opportunities. Um, you know, I got to make it up there. You know, I, I got to find a you know a decent weather day probably to to find. Um, but I've heard it's a great experience. You know, it's in just kind of a, a local community, from my understanding, and um, you know, very unique to a lot of NFL football uh teams and so i think that's what makes it special in a lot of ways and so many people are, are talking about it so i haven't made it up there yet but but i'd love to at some point okay so we'll, we'll dig into your your career path and, and your history but i i want to start with how long have you been with the the milwaukee brewers because most recently promoted uh in november when did you get your start with uh, milwaukee so i i came over here from uh from the tampa bay rays in uh 2015 at the end of 2015 um, hard to believe, I guess that's, that's five years, uh, goes quickly, but, uh, yeah, I came over here at the end of 2015 as, as the assistant general manager, um, connected with David Stearns immediately hit it off and, um, you know, was fortunate to come on to a, a really good opportunity here. And it's been, it's been great, uh, for the last five years and, and hopefully a lot of exciting times ahead as well. Yeah. I, I dig the Brewers. We've had, we have a couple of Brewers fans in the Gaucho family right now, um, I love the new look, the old school logos, uh, the branding, and, and of course Christian Yelich, Southern California kid, and you're a California kid uh, as well. So originally from Davis, and you went to high school in Bakersfield. So were you a always a baseball guy when, when you grew up, when you were a kid? Oh, I was, and I, I was listening to some of your other podcasts in the past, and and I grew up a big A's fan, just like just like you did uh, in Northern California. So I have some some great memories of going to A's games as a you know a little tiny kid and hanging out in the parking lot with my dad and my whole family. Um, we actually, you know, in the back in the day before they built out Oakland Coliseum, um, you know, they had those wooden bleachers out in in the outfield, and my family, we all had our names carved into 
those left field bleachers, my, my grandfather and um, my dad, his brothers, my cousins, you know, so we, we went back quite a ways with the, uh, the Oakland community and, and, um, you know, coming full circle here, we, you know, we have connections here with the Brewers. Steve Carse is our bullpen coach. Um, he was traded for Ricky Henderson, you know, many years ago. So I, I love, I love picking Carse's brain on, on stuff every, you know, every chance I get. Um, I'm sure I wear him out, but um, some really fun, fun times, you know, as a kid and then kind of connecting that to, to today to still have some connections there is, is pretty cool. So, yeah, but always grew up a big, a big sports fan and, and a big baseball fan uh, forever. Wow. I love to hear that. Love it. This is a, A's are my team. Uh, I, I love the A's uh, and I always will. Uh, tough, tough exit for the A's this year uh, in the playoffs. Uh, it's happened more than once, but that's that's uh, another story for another time. So you, you come to, to, to Santa Barbara. How what was your path to UCSB? Did you did you want to go to a different school? Did you have other schools in mind or was Santa Barbara kind of the, kind of the one that you wanted to, to zero in on? Um, I think for me, it, it kind of came down to probably Cal Poly and, um, and UCSB, um, checked out, out both of them and, and ultimately, you know, felt like uh, UCSB. I mean, the second you walk onto the campus, I think you have a pretty good idea of, um, how, how amazing it is, you know, how beautiful it is to, to be there. And so just a chance to visit there, uh, you know, sealed the deal for me. So, um, you know, it was, it was a, it was a fun process and, and ultimately ended up, ended up there. And, um, you know, in the summertime I'd go home and I'd, I'd play, uh, you know, summer baseball over at Bakersfield college, uh, when I'd go home. And so I stayed connected, uh, back in, uh, in Bakersfield with my family there during the summers, but, but yeah, I enjoyed my my time in Santa Barbara for sure. It was it was incredible. Okay, so you sent me three names because uh, I asked like, how did you get your start in baseball? Like, who who helped you uh, from the start? And you sent me John Saventa, Jeremy Mayo, and Al Ferrer. And those are three marquee names in UC Santa Barbara uh, in the community here. So. You were an economics major, but you did the sports mi- management minor. Uh, it's it's not a minor anymore. It's a it's a certificate. Uh, it's something that I would have liked to have done when I was a student there. But uh, what was your relationship with uh, with John and Jim uh, in that sport management department? So I mean, those guys were were super influential for me. I mean, I, I would I would stay after I took classes from them, you know, in the sports management minor, and then I would just stay afterwards and and pick their brain, and I would go to their study hours and. Um, just sit there and listen to them. Honestly, it was, it was something where I was, I was pretty passionate about, you know, trying to work in sports at some point, but I didn't know what that looked like. Um, I really didn't. I, I had no idea sort of how to get in, uh, who to, who to know, um, just, you know, the pathway to get there. And those guys were just incredibly, uh, helpful for me. I mean, I, I can't thank them enough for spending time, um, you know, with me and, and providing guidance and, and, uh, wisdom for, for me as along the way. I mean, I, I just, I would sit there for hours and ask them questions and listen to stories and, um, you know, just to, just to hear from what those guys, cause they were so successful and they were so connected and they, they had so many different, um, experiences throughout their career. You know, Al Ferrer was a long time coach, you know, and, and Jim Romeo, a long time professor there and, and John Spavena overseeing the whole department, you know, they all had kind of their unique, perspectives, uh, you know, based in UCSB and really cared about students. Um, you know, that, that came through, uh, you know, clear as day. And I actually heard from Al Ferrer, uh, very recently when I, when I was, uh, promoted, which was very thoughtful of him to reach out, uh, you know, so I've still stayed connected with, with him and, um, you know, they, they were just so influential for me and, and, you know, to have those types of, of teachers there. And I'm sure that that next wave of, of professors is, is there now. Uh, but for me to be able to connect with those kind of people really was, was a huge influence on, on my, my life, honestly. So there, there's a, a number of trophies and, uh, things on your, on top of your shelves behind you. Is there a sports management student of the year from the year 2000 up there? <laughs> it's, it's not up there. It's, it's at home. Um, <laughs> I got it. I got it somewhere. My, my wife likes to move stuff kind of slowly, out of, uh, out of vision, you know, and, and kind of put her stuff up, uh, noticed that sort of over uh, a number of years, but, but yeah, it's, it's at home. It's not, it's not up here. I get some, some fun memories of all kinds of different stuff back there. I'm not even sure what, what we, what all we got back there, but some fun memories. I mean, it had some incredible experiences and, 
um, you know, you don't get a ton of time to really reflect on those, um, you know, because it's always what's next. You know, you get, you go right from being in the playoffs or, you know, you know, world series, I've, I've been fortunate to be a part of a world series team, uh, in 2008, you know, you get these and then you're eliminated and it's literally like next day. All right. What needs to be done for next year? It's that you don't really get to come up for air, uh, a ton. So maybe at some point I'll be able to reflect on a lot of the things that have happened, um, in, in, you know, that I've been so fortunate to be a part of over the last 20 years in, in baseball. Um, so yeah, a few of them are hanging back there. So when I get a chance to look up there, it's, it's kind of nice. <laughs> well, I'm a sentimental type person and I, I keep memorabilia around and sometimes I reflect on it probably too much. So I, I need to learn how to, all right, wake up the next day and be like, okay, what's next? So when you were at UCSB, you did work with the Dodgers as an intern. And <clears throat> given the, the news last week uh, of Tommy Lasorda's passing, did you have any relationship with, uh, with Tommy while you were with the Dodgers? Did you interact with him at all? I, I, w I was around him. I mean, again, I was, a, I was an intern. So, um, you know, at, at the, at the, at the bottom of the food chain, but he was always really good to me. Um, you know, had a chance to interact with him kind of over the years, even a little bit as well. Um, you know, seeing him on in spring training in the golf cart, you know, going, getting over to a chance to say hello. And, you know, he always had that perfect spot to sit, you know, cause everyone would clear out. Um, but listening to him tell stories, I mean, yeah, he was always very good to me. And, um, you know, that experience with the Dodgers was incredible. It was really challenging um, to, to, to do, you know, basically commuting from, from Santa Barbara to LA every day, um, you know, through LA traffic, you know, definitely not something I'd really want to do again, um, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but you know, a, gr a great experience and, and loved, um, you know, being a part of that and, and seeing somebody like Kim Ng, uh, who was there, you know, and now a, a general manager, um, you know, with, with Miami, uh, so many good people, Chris Haydock, uh, was incredible to me back in the day. Um, so many people, the Dodgers, Tommy Lasorda, just, just a lot of, a lot of pretty fascinating people. Craig council was actually on the, the team there, uh, right. As I got there and now he's our, our major league manager here, you know, just a lot of paths that have crossed kind of over the years, but, um, yeah, really a, a, a pretty, pretty cool experience with the Dodgers. Yeah. I, I was fortunate enough to shake Tommy's hand. He was at a Cal state Northridge, UC Santa Barbara game, uh, in Northridge, uh, a handful of years ago. And he was sitting there next to our dugout and I had to, Go up and shake his hand. He was gracious and and animated as he always was. So, uh, but yeah, Tommy Lasorda, he will be be sorely missed. Definitely a, a focal figure in, in baseball lore. So uh, cool that you were able to to interact with him and and, and learn from him with the Dodgers. Uh, any other any interactions with some uh, Gaucho major leaguers like Michael Young, Skip Schumacher, or Ryan Spielborgs throughout your career? Yeah. Um, briefly, I think, uh, to some degree, I mean, in particular, when I went to the Rangers, uh, after the Dodgers, when I, when I graduated, um, and Michael Young was on that team, um, you know, and I remember his, his locker was right next to Alex Rodriguez. Um, you know, and, and he's, I think at the time, at least, you know, this is, we're going back 20 ish years. He, he really wasn't that much older than me. Uh, but for me, you know, not having played, uh, professionally, you know, it was, it, my job around there was kind of keep my head down and just work, you know? So I wasn't, I wasn't about to interact with, you know, get in the way of anybody here, you know, that my job was just to help coaches, players, whatever they needed, um, you know, sit in the, in the video room. Uh, so I was definitely around Michael Young and, and he was, you could tell, um, Michael was a leader sort of from day one, you know, he was a guy that really stood out of special, um, as evidenced by his career. I mean, he just had an incredible career um, and learning in that, in that environment, uh, which was certainly challenging. You know, our team wasn't great. We had an incredible offense, no pitching whatsoever. Um, you know, and so we just couldn't get anybody out, but you know, they, they had some unbelievable offensive players on that team, you know, uh, Rusty Greer, Carl Everett, Michael Young, Alex Rodriguez, Juan Gonzalez, Pudge Rodriguez, um, you know, Rafael Palmero. Um, you know, some, some fascinating characters on the team. John Rocker was on that team. John um, Rocker. That's, you know, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Wow. So, <laughs> um, quite, a, quite an interesting group. Um, but yeah, a, a number of, of, uh, of guys. And I've, I've been able to cross paths with a handful of gauchos kind of over the years, which has been neat. Um, you know, haven't worked with, with a ton of them, um, you know, but, but kind of cross paths sort of over the years for sure. I feel like when you're in the baseball community, you cross paths with 
with other baseball people. It's just the nature of the business in one way or another. If it's you meet a guy 10 years ago and then and then you 10 years from then you see them again or you're working with them again. It's just kind of the, the cyclical nature uh, of baseball. Okay, so you go to the Rangers in 01 and then you go to the Reds uh, in 02. I, I want to say that you were with the Rays after that before you came to the Brewers. So like what what were your roles in those positions? So you're right now you are in it's player evaluation. You are building a team. So what kind of roles were you doing with those other teams that were prepping you for your current position? So, um, yeah, I mean, when I, after I was done with, with Texas, I went to Cincinnati, um, and, and was kind of, you know, at the time there, there was much less, I think, specialization across the game. And so you had to wear a lot of hats. So I was, I was a baseball operations assistant when I went to Cincinnati, um, and did a little bit of everything. You know, I think it started learning a ton of stuff in Texas with, with great people, John Daniels, John Hart, uh, Dan O'Brien, you know, people that were really influential in my career uh, that I learned a lot from and then taking a lot of those skills um, to, to Cincinnati. And it was it was challenging time, I think, with, with Cincinnati. I mean, we had three different general managers in, in five years. Uh, we had two different owners uh, during the time I was there. So we were certainly uh, it was a, it was a somewhat a tumultuous time, I think, but, but I learned a lot. I mean, really, uh, was fortunate to, to have some really influential people in my, in my career there. Um, you know, Dan O'Brien came over as the general manager later, uh, Jim Bowden was there, uh, Wayne Krivsky. We had, um, you know, Gene Bennett signed, uh, Barry Larkin, Paul O'Neill, Chris Sabo, Don Gullett, um, you know, Larry Barton signed Eric Davis. And, and these were people that just sort of took me under their wing, uh, which I'm so thankful for um, and, and got to wear a lot of different hats in Cincinnati um, and, and involved with our major league staff, you know, in terms of advanced scouting preparation, um, everything from amateur scouting to professional scouting, player development. You know, you just kind of at the time, it was just sort of whatever you guys need. You know, I'm, I'm here um, now. I think nowadays it's it's a lot more specialized and everybody kind of has their narrow window. Um but it was fortunate because you get experience with a lot of different departments. And so that was a great learning opportunity for me, um, you know, to spend time on the road around really good evaluators in the office with really good front office people um, and spent, you know, five, uh, almost five years there with Cincinnati and then transitioned to, uh, to Tampa Bay uh, in 2006, uh, where I was a, a pro scout. Uh, it was a little bit of a, a leap uh, to go from the front office out into the field but it was a great experience. Um, you know, I met a, a, so many different people on the road, really learned about how to evaluate traditionally, um, you know, from so many good people, um, you know, just sort of thrown into it, writing hundreds of reports a year, commuting all over the country. I, I was living in uh, Cincinnati still when I, when I first started with, uh, with Tampa Bay. And so I could get everywhere from Alabama, you know, in eight hours to Michigan, to Washington, DC, over to Iowa. You know, I mean, these are all within within driving distance right and so air, air quotes driving distance yeah, right so and i i drove everywhere i mean you're talking fifty thousand miles a year uh on on my little uh green uh green gremlin uh nissan you know and with the the bumper falling off and the window was cracked i remember um and i think i had a power bar that was kind of like melted into the, the the front seat there somewhere but anyway um it was a you know it's just time on the road you learn a lot um met a lot of incredible people so you know spent a lot of time on the road there and then you know over over time uh was fortunate to be asked uh, by andrew friedman to run our pro scouting department and he asked me to to be our, our pro scouting director in tampa bay uh which was which was an incredible opportunity uh after several years of of scouting there and uh from there ended up being the uh the director of player personnel uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays before uh, transitioning over here to Milwaukee in 2015. You got any good uh, scouting stories? Was it solely domestically? Were you scouting domestically? Do you do any international scouting? I did. I did some international as well. Um, I mean, I've you know, I've I worked I worked a guy out one time in a graveyard. Um, I mean, literally, like this guy's hitting balls. We went to Mexico to work out a, a Cuban kid. And he's hitting balls and they're hitting off headstones, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, been in some weird, you wow. know, some, but Hey, gotta, gotta go where the players are, you know? Um, so, um, 
yeah, but did a little bit of everything. Um, but yeah, that was a neat experience for sure. <laughs> wow, a, a graveyard. That's that might trump the. Uh, we have a, a former guy, Marcus Quiar. He's with the Red Sox, and he he told me a story about how he he drove through the jungle and watched some kid throw off of like a a cow patty. You know, he was just pitching off of a mound of cow patties, but you go where the players are and that that's that's exactly the same thing that he said so it, it makes sense so when you, when you say uh kind of the the old school way of evaluating like what does that entail because nowadays we are so wrapped up in in numbers in analytics and uh, how fast is this guy throwing what is his spin rate like this the numbers seem to dictate at least if you're if you're outside of the game and looking in, it looks like that's what the sole purpose of evaluation is, is to look at numbers. Can you describe like kind of the old school way of, of evaluation? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, um, I think it's still, to be honest, I think that the numbers have been in the game forever. I mean, you know, we've had base backs of baseball cards, you know, going on forever, you know? So I think that's, that's a cool part about baseball is there, there've been stats, you know, forever, but I, I think, I think the challenge, like when you're working a guy out at a graveyard, there, there's no performance, you know, there, there's no track record. There's no, there's no stats. Um, so you got to know what you're looking at. And I think, you know, that comes through experience and um, it's hard to simulate that. And, and, you know, you got to understand, I think what the, what the game looks like. And, and, and I think one of the benefits that I had, um, you know, when I, when I first got started was doing the advanced work, I think advanced scouting work, I think in particular for, um, the Texas Rangers and then also the, um, the Cincinnati Reds was, was I, I would sit behind the plate every day. And so I would sit around very veteran um, scouts, you know, at big league ballparks every night. And I was holding the right air gun charting games and writing reports and learned a ton from those guys, just listening to them and being around them in the lunchroom or, or after the game, uh, whatever that might be. And I think when, when you understand kind of what, what the tools are and what the skills are you need to, to be a big leaguer um, from a traditional sense. I think that re that really influences what that performance can ultimately become um, and what we are looking for to generate on the back of the baseball card. So I, I actually think that the, the, the scouting um, traditionally is really important and still remains important to what we do every day here when we're evaluating talent. So I'm, I'm skipping ahead on my list here, but since you, since we're kind of projecting towards their analytics how how do you incorporate it with your scouting strategies not not to reveal any trade secrets but because we're we're heavily on analytics we are a solely a player development program like <clears throat> we're not getting the cream of the crop per se on the recruiting trail we're getting guys that are they're not where they are going to be at the end of their career and it's our job to give them the tools to get there generally like that happens everywhere else but generally here we want to develop we want to use the tools that we have to find things in players that maybe they didn't know that they ever had so is the evaluation is it like scouting and the evaluation that you currently do is it kind of a a friendly relationship between what you just described and the new stuff yeah, I, I think it, it definitely is. And I, and I think that's probably the way it, it, it should be ultimately. I mean, these these things complement each other, right? I, I think that's that's the best part. And, and everyone's kind of looking through their own lens. And I think, you know, 15 years ago, you'd, you'd have these guys pointing at each other in the room and fighting uh, more than I think we see now. I think, I think there's a lot more, I think, understanding from both sides. And I think that comes from, you know, frankly, one of the things that we've done, we've, we've tried to actually spend time with people where they, they actually spend time in, on the road. You know, we put analysts in the car with a, with a traditional scout and, and get them on the road and, and understand what life is like and what they're looking for and the things that they can't always see uh, that show up in the stat line that are really important. Um, they learn about those things. And at the same time, they can learn through the, the, the scouts can learn th through the lens of the, the analyst as well. And so we found that to be really beneficial for everybody in that way when we come together for these meetings, like we do for the draft, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really conversational. It's really, Hey, like we saw this um, doesn't necessarily jive with, with what's showing up uh, from a performance standpoint. And so we, we talk about that thing and, and to the extent that we can reconcile that we do our best to do that. Um, not everybody's going to be in 
full agreement all the time. And I think that's a great thing, right? Cause then it's just different perspectives that we have to weigh. And ultimately our scouting director is going to make that tough decision on how he wants to weight those different inputs. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely evolved over time. And I think more and more, I think both, both sides are, are sort of learning from each other. And so I, I think it really is a, a complementary relationship, at least at this point in our organization. Okay. So talent, like I can see, and I, I'm, I don't really focus on this a whole lot when I'm, when I'm out there doing my work, but I, I can see like, okay, that kid's special. He's this, the way it looks, I may, I might not be able to break it down in, in into great detail, but I can tell like the way it looks, I see, okay, that kid's probably going to go somewhere. He's got arm strength. He's got this certain skill, like he moves well at his position or he's very fundamentally sound with his delivery. He can block everything. He hits the ball out of the park. Like I think to the average fan, they can identify uh, who's, who's pretty talented if they're out there just watching an ordinary game, right? Like the most difficult part is, is identifying trajectory. And one of my big questions was like, how do you feel about playing three or four years of college baseball? Does that make a difference in your evaluation of players, their ability to be a good teammate, their ability to assimilate with the lifestyle? Some of the intangible things that you can't see when you're just watching a game, maybe at like junior Olympics in Arizona, or where there's a collection of all-stars playing together where everybody's good. Like this college baseball playing four years, being a leader, a captain or whatever, do those types of things stand out to you in evaluation of a player? Most definitely. And I think that's, that's evolved over time. Uh, for me, honestly, I, I think, you know, when I first got started, um, you know, people that I learned from Gene Bennett, Larry Barton, like I talked about earlier, they signed incredible, incredible players. Um, I really learned a ton from those guys in terms of like how to evaluate these guys from a tools perspective and what that should look like. Um, and then over time, I think I've learned more that guys, you know, how they interact with their teammates, what, what kind of leadership skills that they have, what do they bring to our clubhouse, what potential detraction would they be from our clubhouse? Um, I mean, as we are constructing a team, I can tell you, um, you know, with high confidence that, that that comes into play with every player that we acquire. Um, and I think it's really important. And so, um, you know, if, if you're not going to be a very good teammate, you better be really good. Um, you know, I think, I think it's the way I would sort of suggest it. And they're, and they're out there, right. I mean, we, we know that those guys exist, but I think by and large, when you see guys that have a body of work, uh, at a good college program, like UC Santa Barbara, um, and, and have, have a reputation of being a good leader, um, and our scouts will do their work on them. And, and they, they notice things when, when guys, how they, how they handle themselves through failure. Uh, they, they notice when, when guys are, uh, how they respond when they get hit around a little bit as a pitcher, uh, whatever that looks like. And so, uh, we'll, we'll try to get a pretty good feel for what that is on every single player. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's definitely a factor as we, as we work through acquisition. What about your evaluation of the big West, the style of play at strength and weaknesses, how do uh, Big West players translate into pro ball? Because I, in my experience of college baseball, Big West is is much different. Like when we get into conference play, it's much different than than watching a Big Twelve game or watching an SEC game. Just the way pitchers hold runners, the way that we base run, the way that we approach the small detail points of the game. Like, what's your evaluation of the Big West? I completely agree. And that's something I think, you know, we talk about, I think the tools, I think to some degree, I think that's where honestly you see a lot of skills start to stand out. Um, and that is so important and so tricky to evaluate. I think, especially um, in those kind of showcase environments, um, you know, where you see these guys and they, you watch them run, you watch them throw and you watch them, watch them hit BP. Uh, and you're like, wow, that guy's a pretty good, pretty talented player, but you don't actually see him in games. And then when you see these guys, in a, in a, in a conference game, like the big West, you see where those skills stand out because sometimes those tools instantly that, you know, they get pulled back when they don't know how to play the game. Uh, and we see that a lot, I think, especially from these really talented kids uh, all over the planet, honestly, when they come into pro ball and they're very skilled, they're very talented tools wise, but if they didn't come from a program like UC Santa Barbara, they didn't have the experience in a, in a big West type of environment. They don't, they haven't necessarily developed the skills, not always, but, but I think in a lot of cases, you see those kinds of kids translate and they stand out once they get into pro ball. I would agree with that. Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk about the Brewers a little bit. 
because I think they're they're up and coming. They certainly have some some marquee names like Christian Illich, who we mentioned, uh, Hater, the the reliever. Uh, you guys had you guys won a division championship last year, 2019. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 18. So, can you comment on Yelich? Just did you have a role in in getting him to come to Milwaukee because he signed there, or was he traded from from Miami? So we yeah we traded we traded for um we traded for Christian Yelich in uh, gosh I think it was 2016 I think gosh this, these years start to blend together but we um yeah we traded for him from Miami and, and gave up a lot of a lot of big prospects to to get him and so we we thought it was a big a big bet for us. But again, that gets back to kind of what you were talking about earlier with, you know, when it comes to the the talent was there, um, you know, really been on that guy since he was in high school, um, you know, in the draft and then, and then wasn't able to acquire him and ultimately, you know, chased him down and finally traded for him over here many years later. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we feel really good about where we are. I mean, we've made the playoffs three years in a row for the first time in, in franchise history, which is something I'm, I'm really proud of our, you know, so many people, uh, went into went into that uh, that process, and and I think there are so many different people, our players, our staff, coaches, everybody. I mean, just just to to be a part of that, and we feel really good about where we are. You know, where we stand in our division right now. We think we're competitive uh, with the other teams. We know the Cubs are still going to be good. You know, they made some trades. We still feel like they're going to be really competitive. The Cardinals are are always going to be tough. Uh, the Reds were really good last year. So we, we think our division is still uh, still really good, but also we think we're we're right there. I think our our pitching last year, I think led by you know in the bullpen by Devin Williams and and Josh Hader. Um, you know Devin Williams was uh, you know got all kinds of awards as reliever of the year, et cetera. Um, you know just an incredible pitcher. Um, I've never seen a changeup like his. I just I, I just I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like it's just a it's just an automatic swing and miss. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. And, um, for what he's been able to do, uh, you know, with his career is just so impressive. And then I think at the top of our rotation, we had a couple guys in, in, uh, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns really step forward last year and, and show that they have a chance to become, um, you know, front end of the rotation and also even, even take it to the next step. I think even potentially in the Cy Young, Cy Young conversation, I mean, those guys are, are really that talented. So, we feel really good about those guys and, um, you know, have, have some guys on offense, you know, I think, you know, Keston Hira, uh, from Irvine, you know, it was, it was a guy that, that did some damage out there and, um, you know, he's our, he's our regular second baseman and, and got a long track record of hitting and, and anchored by, you know, Christian Yelich. And, you know, we feel good about where we are in the division right now. Yeah. When you speak of Woodruff and Burns, like, <clears throat> excuse me, they're not on that list of like the Scherzers and, and the Verlanders and the, the, the marquee names of aces of teams, but they're putting up the same numbers and they're, they're leading their, their brewers to division championships. And I think at least the last couple of years, I think a lot of people were surprised by the brewers because you think of the NL central, you think you think Cubs, they won a world series in 16 Cardinals have always been up there. Like the brewers are kind of sneaking up behind a lot of people. I think, have a, have a real shot at at going a long way over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the things that sort of stood out, um, you know, when we when we won there in 2018, we we had a, a nice celebration at Wrigley um, in 2018, and and to win on that field, I think was a, was a big deal here because I think, you know, having again having grown up in California, you don't really have an appreciation for that Brewers Cubs rivalry until you're here. And then you realize when you come to Miller Park, um, or excuse me, now it's American Family Field. Um, we just changed that recently, but um, you know now that uh, you know they'd come up here, those Cubs fans come up here in droves. I mean, it, this place is packed with Cubs, Cubs fans. And likewise, I think when we go to we go to Wrigley, you see a ton of Brewers fans. And so we're we're not that far from these guys. Um, you know, we're almost a suburb here in, in some ways. I mean, it's it's pretty close. And so. Um, there's definitely a rivalry there. You definitely feel it. Uh, but I think when we were able to, to beat them, uh, in 2018 on their field and Lorenzo Cain, you know, comes through against, uh, you know, Steve C. and, and puts us ahead in that game. And, 
you know, we, we end up putting them, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a situation where they end up getting eliminated, you know, we had to win eight games to, to get there, uh, which was incredible. And then to, to, to advance, I think in that fashion and win the division, I think let, let people know, I think, you know, in our division that we were, we're here, you know, and, and that we've sort of arrived, I think, to some degree. And again, I, I don't think that that means we've established anything because I don't think we're, we're sort of sitting back and saying, you know, look at us by any means. I think we still know that we have to continue to improve uh, and work hard because those other teams are great. Um, but I think it was nice to, to do that. I think on that field, it meant a lot, you know, to be able to uh, smoke a cigar in, in that dugout, you know, after the game was, was kind of fun. So <laughs> definitely special. Do you have, um, I think aside from maybe Yelich, uh, do you have a favorite brewer currently? This is a guy who you root for. Is that something that you do in your position? Man, all of them. I mean, they're all like, <laughs> I mean, really, there's there's nobody you can't even, I can't even fathom pulling against any of them. I mean, it's they're they're all, and, and especially, you know, as young kids, as you get to know them, you know, even when you sign these guys internationally, I mean, on January 15th, we're two days away from our, our signing day here, which is a huge day for our international group and, and just a credit to all the people that, uh, are involved with that process, which is just a, probably a whole nother podcast, honestly. Um, but you know, the, the fact that when you sign these kids and you get to know them as amateurs from when they're, you know, you start to see them at ages 12, 13, 14 years old, you sign them, you bring them into the organization and then you see them start to matriculate to the big leagues. Uh, it, it's awesome. You get to know them as people, you get to know them when they're struggling, you know, you, you spend time, um, when they're, when they're really in a, in a dark place in, in double a, you know, and they're, they're, they feel like they're at rock bottom and you kind of give them, Hey man, like you're good. You know, you can, you can kind of pat them on the back and, and let them know. And when they get here and then they have success, it's just, it's just awesome. It's like seeing your kids, uh, be successful. So I, I'm so proud of all those guys. And, and so, um, I, I don't really have a favorite. I mean, I just, I, I love, them. how about a, how about an all time, all time brewer? Wow. Um, I mean, I, I think of like the Mike Schmitz and the, and I mean, Yelich I mean, is up in that category. Right? Yeah. I mean, for, for us, it's probably Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich, you know, those two guys, I mean, Ryan, uh, meant so much to this franchise and, and it was so good to so many people here. Um, you know, and, and who knows, I don't know, you know, what, what lies ahead for, for Ryan. Um, you know, honestly, I think a lot of it's in, in his court, you know, with how he wants to finish his career, but. Um, if he's played his last game as a brewer, I, I know that he's, you know, his, his Jersey should be up in the rafters. I mean, cause he just did so much, uh, you know, in this community and, and for this team. I mean, if you just go back and look at some of the highlights that this guy has, has put up, uh, over years, I mean, just some unbelievable hits, uh, cer certainly since I've been here, um, you're like, my gosh, like we, we're, we're not going to come through here. There's no way. And then Ryan Braun comes through, you know, and he does it. And so, guy like that, you know, Christian Yelich, those two guys, I think, have have the chance to be uh, certainly in the rafters here in Milwaukee for many years. Okay, one more one more thing about the Brewers, and then I want to talk a little about the, the current Gauchos. Can you just briefly describe how the challenges of 2020 season? Because, I mean, it was challenging in a number of ways. I, I kind of want to get what your take on just trying to structure the roster, the unknowns of the scheduling, money, like – what were some of the challenges uh, for you with the Brewers? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, it was tough. And I, I think the way we, we sort of approached it was like, it, it's not just us, it's everybody, right. It's the whole league. And, and I think when we looked at it where it wasn't just like, Hey, like this isn't going to be fun for, for us. It's like, everybody's up against this. So how do we make it, how do we make it good? Right. What do we, what do we, what do we uh, take away from this that's really positive and so we actually have we made these shirts that they're these and I, I wore it you know I wear it a lot I still have it but it's a it's a positivity train shirt and I, I think Ryan Braun started it if I'm not giving credit to the right person I apologize but I, I think it was Ryan um, and, and I like everyone to wear these positivity train shirts around you know I mean we're look we're we're all in a bubble we're all going to hang out a lot you know we're, we're there's nowhere really to go we better be friends right and so um, that was a great part. I mean, those guys brought, brought everybody together, um, you know, in really challenging circumstances and made the best of it. And we were fortunate to, to get in the playoffs, you know, ultimately. And I think that's a credit to the positive, uh, you know, environment that our guys created, but it was certainly, you know, challenges with everything from, you know, the, the, the testing to, you know, economics of the game and, and so forth, certainly a number of challenges that we're, we're still actively dealing with and, and still a lot of unknowns for 21, but 
I think when you start from that, the foundation of, hey, we're going to be positive and we're all in this together, I think it was a great start. And I think we had a, a nice finish. We're hoping to carry that into, into 21. Yeah, so we, we practiced for two months in the fall. It was from like October 16th to December 4th. It's funny, like I, I remember the dates specifically. And we finished up the last day with a scrimmage. And we had we had food delivered and individual package for all the guys. And everybody was kind of hanging out after practice, right? And it felt like the end of a season. It, it wasn't like a traditional fall where it kind of teeters off and, and then we have holidays and finals and whatever. But it, we kind of sat there for like an hour and it, it was kind of this like real sense of accomplishment. It was because so much went into it uh, and so many sacrifices were made where you felt really proud that, that you got through it and finished it. Did you have that kind of sense at the end of the season? It might be different at the professional level. Like you guys made the playoffs and, and it probably didn't come out the way you wanted it to be, but I'm sure there had to be some kind of sense of, I don't want to say relief. I don't, I don't like that term, but real accomplishment that like, okay, we, we made it happen. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, we were, you know, we, we survived, you know, I mean, it was, and it was, and we, and we had fun. I, I really do. I think, I think a lot of guys made the best of it, you know, and, and I think that that is one of the unique things when you have a really good culture. I mean, you get back to what we were talking about earlier. I mean, when you have players that, that really do care about winning and they care about the team and they care about their teammates, um, that stuff shows up when, when, you know, when, at the end of the day, you know, and, and I think it showed up, I think in particular when we got eliminated in Washington, um, a couple of years ago when we were ahead, uh, in that game and ended up blowing up a, a lead, right. and, um, tough, you know, tough day for, for a lot of us, buddy. Um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, I mean, every single guy hung out after afterwards, you know, there wasn't a guy, you know, a lot of people emotional, um, no, nobody angry. It was just, it was just, Hey, like we, you know, we were, we were in this, um, disappointed more that we, we didn't continue to go, but it was a lot of like caring, a lot of hugs, you know, a lot of people caring about each other. And that was cool to see, you know, as opposed to guys just sipping up their bag and, and walking out the door, like none of that happened. Um, and, you know, I think that says a lot about our, our culture and, and a credit to a lot of the people involved here. Okay, let's transition just for the gouches. A couple questions. Uh, have you been able to, to keep track of of the gouches success in recent years? The, the 2016 World Series run, Big West Champs in 2019. Have you followed them at all? A, a little bit, you know, probably not as closely as I, I'd hoped. I mean, we got a, you know, a lot of irons in the fire, I think. So I, I wish I, I wish I'd followed it closer. But I, what I have from afar, and I've had a couple really good conversations with Coach Checkets. Um, Sounds like he's, you know, been incredible over there and, and the success that you guys have had certainly starts with him. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome to see, you know, Santa Barbara doing great. Any, any current gauchos on the Brewers radar? Uh, I cannot confirm nor deny. <laughs> um, uh, 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 potentially I would say, yeah, <laughs> okay. some, some interesting guys. That's for, Ga that's for sure. Gauchos <laughs> led, led the nation or, or tied for first in 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 team era last year so we're we're hoping to continue that this year so and everybody's coming back so we're gonna have a strong strong roster anticipate a lot of draft picks <laughs> it's good to know I, I have heard there are some interesting arms there from what i from what i've heard so. okay that's that's good to <laughs> um okay la last question last question can you offer any advice since you brought it up earlier where when you were in school and you wanted to get in sports and I've, I'm kind of in that position currently right now. And there, and there are a lot of guys who, who go through the program who are student managers or interns, even players who, who come back to us and they're like, I want to get involved. I want to be in sports. Like, but there's no real, like, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a normal job. So what kind of advice can you give to someone who's interested um, and, and committed to doing it, um, kind of pointing them in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, everybody, I think everybody takes their own pathway, you know, and, and so I think it's sort of unique to, to everyone. Um, but I, I would say probably the, the thing that comes to mind is honestly just putting yourself in play. I think, I think you have to, you have to grind and be willing to, uh, put yourself out there. And I have, I have a stack of, of rejection, emails and, and letters and things like that from when, you know, there was barely email from different teams. You know, I was trying to just 
you know, it's, it's almost like, um, you got to find a way, you know, it's, 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 you really do. And that means, that means it's, it's like, you got to kind of flow through, you know, the pathway a little bit like water. And when you get kind of hit to one direction, you just gotta, you just gotta go with it. Um, can't fight it too much. Um, you're going to be hit toll no a thousand times. Um, and then it's sort of, how do you, how do you respond? And, and, uh, you know, how do you put yourself, how do you separate yourself? You know, honestly, like with, with the, the amount of, uh, resumes that we get every day, how am I going to separate myself? That was always something that I, I, I was, I was actively uh, thinking about, you know? And so I, I was trying to do different things for my resume and my career to learn from different people and put myself in play where if I was told no here, I was going to try to find another, a different opportunity. Um, and that was, you know, honestly, like a, a credit to things that I learned from, you know, the people that we talked about at the, at the start with Jim Romeo and, and John Spavena and, and, um, Al Ferrer, you know, guys that just were, were, were grinders, were hard workers. Uh, and they put them, I, I believe that they, you know, gave me that advice. So that, that's what I would, I would pass along is just to, you know, you got to grind. And, and I think when, when you don't necessarily have the, the separator, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, you know? And, and so I, I just had to make sure that I, I, I worked overtime um, and learned as much as I could from as many good people as I could. And um, you know, the opportunity will, will present itself if you keep, if you keep your foot in the door. Okay, last thing, uh, biggest thing to watch out for this 2021 Major League Baseball season. Could be just in general about the league or uh, or about the Brewers. Wow, good question. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see how, um, you know, whether whether we have have fans or not, honestly. Like, I think I think that changed things for, for several guys last year. Um, you know, I, th I think there were, there were different dynamics. I think for pitchers, I think it's in particular, I think with closers, you mm -hmm. have guys come into the game and usually, you know, you got uh, Trevor Hoffman coming into hell's bells, you know, and you yeah. see that kind of going on, you're yeah. like, okay, this is pretty cool. And now it's coming in and it's, you know, there's maybe music, but it's, you know, it's just different. Um, and I think that changed it for, for a number of our guys, for sure. I, I noticed that as well. And uh, I think it might have actually affected some guys' velocities uh, to some degree, because I think they actually didn't have that extra, extra gear from 40,000 fans, either pulling for you or against you. Um, so yeah, I, I think that will be fascinating to see whether we can have, have fans in the ballpark. Um, you know, I hope we can, because here in Milwaukee, I mean, it's such a huge part of it's, it's a huge advantage for us because our fans are so great. Okay. We, we fought through some technical difficulties at the beginning of this, but it, it wound up being pretty, pretty smooth. Uh, I would say, uh, cool. it's always fun talking baseball. Um, I'm, I'm excited about the upcoming season, college baseball and, and major leagues. I think once you get like Christmas and new year's, at least on the college baseball side, once you get that behind you, it's real quick. You start playing and then major league baseball starts and springtime hits and it's just like rebirth every year. It's great. So yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you're looking forward to it too. And, uh, we really appreciate your time again. Matt Arnold, Senior Vice President and General Manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you having me very much. Okay. Uh, go Brewers, go Gauchos, and um, we'll, we'll see you soon down the line. Thanks, Matt. Cool. Thanks. All right. Thank you to our sponsor, Kyle's Kitchen. And thank you to Matt Arnold, GM of the Milwaukee Brewers. Just a great guy. Fun interview. We talked a lot beforehand. We talked a lot afterwards. A, uh, a great resource for, for Gauchos, and he's going to be a great resource for the Milwaukee Brewers. You can just tell. He's got good head on his shoulders. He's got an idea where he wants uh, the team to go, and he's got some good pieces to work with, uh, especially the pitching staff uh, and the bullpen, the starters, and, and Christian Yelich, who's just a staple in that lineup. So uh, we want to thank Matt Arnold. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'm hoping to catch up with him later on in the year and, uh, and get some updates uh, for the podcast if we get that far. Um, not sure who's going to be our next guest, but I've got uh, a couple of things in the works. Uh, we want to get that schedule out to you guys uh, once we know when we're going to start, what the schedule is going to look like, what protocols are going to look like. Um, we know that there won't be any fans in the stands, but we will be calling the games on the radio, and Jerry Fall will be uh, – doing the games on the live stream, Big West TV, 
So there will be ways to watch and listen to all of the Gaucho games this year. So stay tuned for the schedule release and uh, stay tuned on social media, Twitter, Instagram, follow the podcast, uh, Gaucho 9 podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Let me tell you what, uh, who will be on the pod next. But until then, uh, stay dry, enjoy the rain, and talk to you next week. She left.